Welcome to the Tech Talk Show, an hour of news, views and discussion. Well, welcome to the show and uh, joined in the studio by Dan. Hi, Dan. Oh, yeah, hang on. Let's get all those microphones out. I do. Do you know, it's the last three weeks you've been doing that now. Yeah, absolutely. It's because we've got new microphones and it's all changed. So I I just can't keep up with the technology. That's the problem. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, in the studio, we're joined by Cameron Muradi. Hi, Cameron. Hi there. How are you? And Cameron's from One Lane, and we're going to talk to Cameron a little bit after the news. We've also got a couple of pre records, Dan. We've got uh, Chris Chance from Light. That's and right. we've also got Joss Langford, is it? That's right, yeah, yeah. From, from Active Insights. And I think you spoke to both of them, didn't you? Yes, we did, yeah. Um, James and I spoke to them at um, the Wearable Tech Show a few weeks back. Brilliant. Yeah. So that's really, really good. So, But first of all, the news. And uh, we talk a lot about the Internet of Things on the show, Cameron. And mm-hmm. one story I've picked up on is uh, there's a company that have produced an Internet-enabled garage door and an automated garage door closer system. Okay. But this is like um, uh, developer's revenge. So what they've done is this person has complained about the quality or something about this particular system that's been developed. So what they've done is hacked his door and actually locked it so he can't open it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's really good, eh? I love so, that. I mean, um, yeah, talk about... Uh, it's, it's one reason not to have everything interlinked, Dan, isn't it? It is, yeah. Just get locked out of everything. Yeah, so... Uh, big yeah, big the, Brother's locking you out. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, it's, to do, it's, it's designed to let owners open their mechanised garage doors remotely uh, to let visitors in and to offer a way to check... Uh, the door has not been left open by mistake, so it's a, obviously a. Well, at least it's not. It's not something embarrassing. It's no, not, it's not, it's not a, <laughs> <laughs> sharing, sharing your browsing history yeah, or something. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Um, and actually, what they did was they he complained on Amazon that the product was junk, um, and referred it to it with a swear word on the firm's own community board. The next day, the abusive language here and in your negative Amazon review submitted minutes after experiencing a technical difficulty only demonstrates your poor impulse control. I'm happy to provide technical support to customers on my Saturday night, but I'm not going to tolerate any tantrums. That's how they responded. Fantastic. I think most people's had a tantrum at sort of, you know, smart um, devices at some point. Yeah, yeah. You've got to... Every now and again, shout yeah. at something. Haven't yeah, we? F- fantastic. I think that's a really good story. Mm. You've got a story down for us. Yeah, it's you? quite interesting. You've probably seen it in the news that they're um, in uh, the London streets. They're going to be trialing driverless pods. Yes, um, I've seen that. Have you seen yeah. that? Yeah. 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 So, so these are um, going to be the um, the first autonomous vehicles to serve the general public on the streets of London. Um, they're adapted from use from um, vehicles used at Heathrow Airport that use um, currently use tracks, but these ones have been adapted so they don't have to run on tracks. Um, and they're created by a firm called. Oxbotica, which I quite like the name of that. Um, <laughs> and, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the shuttle bus can carry up to four people, travel at speeds of up to 10 miles an hour, um, controlled by a computer, but I understand there's going to be a, someone on board to, yeah. to prevent any issues. It's interesting. It's happening. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And it is the next technology, really, isn't yeah. it? I think that's uh, definitely going to happen. I'm not sure I'd like to. Would you Would you take one? Well, I, I would probably not take it, you know, or fully depend on it now. I, th- I think we're still, I mean, the example you just mentioned, that it's still within the uh, confined mm. environment. And, and, and it's not that l- the long distance. I think uh, when I read. Two miles, story, I think, is it? Two miles. Yeah. And, and it's on a specific route. So, so it's quite. 
I mean, the future where it's fully autonomous with no human involvement, we're talking about 15, 20 years until yeah. the first one of those uh, products comes out to the marketplace. So uh, as of right now, I wouldn't fully depend no. on, <laughs> no, on no, that, but, but it's it's the, it's where the technology is heading. Yeah, I'm quite excited about it. I quite like the idea of being driven around. I don't can't afford a chauffeur. So it'd be nice what, to have what, a... Is it Carruthers' day <laughs> off or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's on a constant bank holiday, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think uh, I think it's Greenwich. I think it's based down in Greenwich, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, a couple of mile journey. Who knows? I mean, there are self-piloting vehicles already. Yeah. Uh, At Disney World, for example. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Disney World. <laughs> that was, that was um, the first thing I thought about when I saw that part. Like, you know what? There are probably... I mean, I've seen something similar at, at some yeah. of the fantasy yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, Channel Tunnel, uh, which goes between UK and France. Their service tunnel, the vehicles steer themselves. Oh, right. Okay. And have, that was designed 25 years ago. So. Do they have tracks they run along as nope. well? Nope. Oh. It's a magnetic a cable buried in the concrete floor. Yeah. And it picks up on a magnetic uh, uh, field, and the vehicle then steer. It's a self-steering vehicle. Oh, you do have some interesting stuff there. I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I worked there, didn't I? So yeah, yeah that's part of it. So <laughs> yeah, all the all the uh, vehicles in the service tunnel used to be able to do that. So mm. yeah, so really interesting. Anyway, yeah. Dan, let's go to our guest. Yeah, formally. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, Cameron, we've already heard you speaking, um, talking about one lane. Yeah. Tell us a little about One Lane and, and how you came about developing. Sure thing. So uh, maybe a quick background on myself. Mm. I, I was previously with a company called Just Eat, uh, part of the team that helped build that, build that company. Um, uh, after we had taken that company public, um, I decided to take some time off, but um, was in fact recruited by a taxi hailing app company. While there, we were seeing a lot of families using the service yep. for their children to get them yeah. to and from school and activities. To me, it was kind of odd to, to, mm. to book a taxi on a regular basis for your children. Not only because, you know, you have a random person each time from a young child, but also that there weren't any good options or alternatives for them. At the same time, I myself come from a very big family. I have about six sisters, um, um, which translates into about 15 nieces and nephews. <laughs> and I happen to be their favorite uncle solely because I'm their, their designated driver. So the two <laughs> things came taxi. together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You were the family taxi. <laughs> That's exactly what yeah. I am. Um, and, and so the two sort of experiences came together, and, and, and I started thinking about how we could do something better for families, for parents, and even for my, my, my siblings. Um, and I started researching that. I came across some companies in the U.S. that had started similar services catering to specifically uh, children, um, and that's how the idea came about. So we started development. Well, actually, we started with focus groups in London first, just sitting down with parents, asking them about uh, something like this and what their current routine was. It was, And it became quite evident quickly that this is – not a new routine or experience that we're introducing. It already exists offline. People are helping each other. Either you know the parents are taking turns yep. to drive the children to school and activities, or they're getting external help. So it's already an offline routine. The problem is that it's a challenging routine. It, it's quite problematic, and it's it's hard to find proper help. And if you're taking turns as parents, it often clashes with your work schedule. So the idea then was that we would uh, recruit child care professionals, guardians, managers, et cetera, who are yeah. currently helping parents with this and bring them onto, the pl onto a platform. Um, so what one lane is, um, it is what we call, call or refer to as a pickup and care service for children. So we allow parents to connect with uh, guardians, so child care professionals, yeah. we call them guardians, who help parents to uh, uh, you know pick up and drop off uh, kids to school and activities, but also to provide the add-on childcare service if needed. For example, if the parents not help, uh, at home yet, yep. or to even accompany them into the venues or the activity centers and sit with them, then return them home. 
Um, we, uh, long story short, we started development in 2015, went live with our public ver beta version, sort of prototype, exactly a year ago, March 2016. And, and by now, we've had uh, almost 1,100 families, 1,100 families registering interest to use the service. We are just now working on ramping up on, on the supply side of the yeah, equation sure. and, and recruiting more guardians so that we can cater to that, to that, that number of families. I, I mean, I suppose the the sort of just on the logistical side, obviously there's that huge rush around the nine o'clock get to school yep. and the three four o'clock in the afternoon. That's trying to accommodate that. Is it? We I assume people can use it weekends and evenings a as well. Ab absolutely, absolutely. So so we are in a way bespoke childcare service. The the volume happens right now. The number one use case is, is the school run. For very obvious reasons, yeah. the school the school transport system in the UK is quite broken. Only about ten percent of children of primary school age uh, go to school by bus, uh, school bus that is. Uh, the remainder, uh, fifty percent, um, um, are still being driven w with the car, yeah. and and the, and the balance is either walking, cycling, etc. But that fifty percent, um, I think the number is around four point four billion trips in total, between four point four and five billion trips in total are made to and from school. By school, primary school age children, about half of that, fifty percent, is with the car. It's it's just uh, you know, it's nonsense. It's nonsense, right? Have anybody been around a school? Yes. At either drop off or chuck out time, yeah. and it's chaos. It's it's, it's unmanageable, and it's so it's so dangerous as yeah. well. Mm. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, just to add a little bit more uh, statistics, to that uh, about a quarter of all traffic during peak times is caused by the school run. That yeah. one specific example. So, yeah. for that reason, um, uh, our service specifically, so I, I failed to mention, we also offer carpool service yeah. and that has taken off quite elegantly yeah, I can imagine that and yeah. specifically for the school school run so school run is our number one use case right now but we're seeing a trickle-down effect so as we become more accessible and and uh, families um, get to know the guardians um, and so on and so forth they use the services for other instances as well so it's after school activities it's evenings if it gets too late um, I have to point out also that that so the guardians that I mentioned the, the school um, uh, the providers they are we we assign the same guardians to their families on a regular basis so that so it, there's it, like a vetting process absolutely so yeah. just walking through that real quickly the first thing we do is because again we're, we're taking an offline routine and just putting it onto a tech platform we're not introducing a new routine we're just creating a better experience yeah um, and that means take those child monitors those nannies nurses teachers put them onto the platform but in doing so the first step is obviously make sure that child care professionals but the second step then is to conduct a proper background vetting and screening. And that means everything from checking identities, passport, employment references, employment backgrounds, um, but also an enhanced DBS, which is quite critical. You'd be surprised uh, out of the about 2,000 plus individuals who had applied for that position over the last 12 months, uh, over 50% we've discarded immediately. Another 25%. Ooh, 50%. 50%. 50%. Another 25% for, for, for good For various reasons. reasons. Yeah, yeah. So, so the profiles might not have not been the right one. But about 25% uh, of, of the remaining 50% have been people who currently work in child-related sectors. And, 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 and we have rejected them because we've discovered things, not big things, but small no, things no. Th that we just don't, didn't feel you know, was quite right for our service. So once, you know, provided they've passed that, that gatekeeping, that, that, that filtering, then when they come onto our platform, number one, parents can request to meet and greet the guardians before the first booking. So mm -hmm. it's pretty much an interview. Yeah. Then we make sure the parents receive the same guardian or guardians, maybe up to two or three at most, uh, for at least a number of weeks at a time. So say in line with the school term, you have the same person in effect more than the full school term. Yeah. So that provides that familiarity. You're not getting a random new person each morning. You're getting either Kate, you know, Penny, or, or mm. at yeah. most third person. 
And and do the children get a chance to to sort of get used to the Guardian? As absolutely, well? absolutely. So so parents have the option of uh, riding along for the first couple of uh, bookings to to create that familiarity. But but again, because we also allow for that meet and greet uh, 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 option beforehand, uh, the Guardians will come to the to the parents' house or the home and, and get to meet the, the mm. child, the children beforehand, uh, and create that that connection. Um, the other thing is we also. You know, it's up to the parents to decide whether the journey should happen with a car, uh, public transportation, or even walking in some cases. Because, okay. uh, again, we're not providing uh, – we're ta- our, our services take the place of the parents to, to, you know, when they're not around. Hmm. It's then up to the parents to decide, you know, whether they want to, the child to be driven to school or, or you know, take a bus or public transportation or, uh, you know, just walk because hmm. it's around the corner 10 minutes so it doesn't, you know, make okay. sense to drive or anything else. So the parent could just, you know, say, oh, you know – uh, little Stephen hasn't had as much air this week as we would have liked, so we send him walking, you know, rather than uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so, so it's really, it's really that nanny that that help mm, that a nanny yeah. would provide or a child mind would provide uh, that we are offering to the parents, and then it's up to them to decide what uh, uh, what transport mode they want to be used. I mean, it used to be uh, my daughter's now grown up, but uh, at the time we were both working, my wife and I. And that it used to be, I've got to work late or I've got to do this or something's cropped up at work. And to have some form of emergency go to, I need a, you know, are you free in two hours' time to pick (laughs) up a daughter or, you know, that, that you know the person you can rely on is... Invaluable, really. It's 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 quite interesting because you know what what we have created, um, and it's still very early days. But but two things that is absolutely exciting, at least from our perspective, is number one, we've we've taken something that is a really strong pain point for parents, right? Sure, the challenge solves around. Uh, well, it is my child, you know, a young yeah. child between the age of five and eleven. I still want to know, you know, what's happening, so on and so forth. So the next challenge and opportunity that got gets me really exciting is that it's a completely blank page in terms of technology um it, it's you know the routine is the same now as it as it was 10 20 15 yeah, 30 it's years no different, so is it? no. what we have done we've created a platform that allows parent parents visibility into what's going on so so there's it, also sorry there's also the feedback system yes, isn't there which yes. was, that was really important yes yeah, so it? it's, it's an app-based service yeah um uh, so a parent will see or is notified of uh, the the entire journey the via uh, product updates yep. they can follow and track and see and they can oh, call wow. out to the garden at any time when the child is then dropped off they get notifications so it's all so the three key principles that we live live by every day every decision that we make is that we are trying to deliver on, on three things transparency reliability and safety yeah. transparency means technology it's it's the the app itself is the f- best example so you can mm-hmm. so you can see everything's happening so no longer are you in the dark you know exactly what's happening mm-hmm. and also we have this predictive monitoring tool so we monitor every single booking live but it's predictive and and we're building more intelligence and some machine learning uh, learning around that that would tell us of things we should be aware of before it i'll give simple examples external conditions so whether it's road conditions or weather or you know strikes happening in london all the time yeah. we should be able to preemptively react to those things and our system does that right now the additional machine learning can then because it's a repeat uh, booking type of service and the families book for weeks if not months ahead of time we know the routines around their behaviors we know the routines around our guardians and we also monitor their driving behaviors there's a lot of data that we're collecting yeah. so we're building machine learning tools to make it a little bit more preemptive a little bit more intelligent and it allows us to provide a better and again elevated service so that's the, t- the technology piece in terms of transparency safety and reliability safety is the vetting and screen that i mentioned sure. yeah 
but we also provide our own internal ongoing training and the reliability is that we have a pool guardian sitting there and we can step up and there's somebody who's actively monitoring everything. So completely different to yeah. the current scenario of you know getting uh, help, external help, isn't but you don't know anything, you're in the dark. Sure. I mean, isn't it funny how things develop? Because actually you're joining up a service provider with a service user. Yeah. Effectively, that's what you're doing, which yeah. a lot of apps do. Yeah. But what you've done is actually every stage of that, there is value being added, either greater safety, greater security, greater feedback, greater predictive timings. So it starts as what would be a very, very simple thing and actually is adding value all the time to the the process. Exactly. I mean, so, so as long as we live by those three key principles, transparency, safety, and reliability, everything we'll, we do will help to elevate the, the experience from status quo. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, the beauty, uh, at least from my perspective, is that we've, we've taken a sector that hasn't seen any kind of innovation or an experience mm, that hasn't no. any kind of innovation, no. and we have uh, you know a blank page. We can do a lot of things, and every little thing makes such a huge difference in the experience that the parents have. So how did you control not going because there's nothing in that space yeah. how did you control not going everywhere in terms of functionality how did um, you keep it so tight in terms of well partially experience i would say uh, it was from of, previous uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Actually, we can make it do this <laughs> or we can make it yeah yeah, yeah. you have to you have to uh i mean we, we listen a lot to customers and and and, and what people um uh, you know because ultimately I, I don't know everything. My team doesn't know everything. The best thing you can do is to use your customers and users as a funnel for ideas and then internally prioritize what should happen in the mm. next three months, what should happen in the next 12 months. So when we first launched, it was a very uh, you know, a bare bones, slim version of what the vision we had. Yeah. Um, and if you look at what we had 12 months ago compared to now, you know, a world of, of difference in what sure. we've done and, and, and still we're in the early uh, days. And obviously, sorry, Dan, I know you want to get in, but that user testing was crucial to that, was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. that forms how you yeah. would go forward. Yeah, just like uh, you know, with most tech companies, uh, you know, the, the way development works is that you launch what's referred to as an MVP um, and, and, and a slim product, and, and then you, you, you test it, you get some early users, you take the feedback, and then you build on that, especially with parents. And, and young children, you really have to, you know, keep your ears open and eyes Reassurance open. Reassurance Exactly, the time. because yeah. there is that, that safety and reliability aspect that you have to think about. You um, mentioned the carpool yeah. um, element of the app. Now, does that also include the, um, does that also include the Gu- guardians, um, guardians yeah. or is it um, parents as well? So as of right now, it does include the guardians because we've, we've seen that, uh, you know, a lot of parents do carpool offline, but the mm-hmm. challenge they have is, you know, whose turns it to drive. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, in the future, we have some other ideas. Again, we, we're looking at this not from the perspective of, you know, journey or, or, or the add-on childcare or, or, you know, the mode of transport. We're looking at it, what is the need that we're trying to fill sure. here, right? What's the offline routine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can we step in with technology and make that a lot better and, and provide transparency, reliability, and safety yeah. in doing so? Yeah. Um, so? So essentially what we tell parents is, look at all your options that you currently have offline compared to us and see what we're doing in terms of elevating that experience from those three. Because uh, there were certain parents I was worried they would never actually get my daughter to school. Yeah. <laughs> and if I had some way of knowing, yeah. oh, look, they've just pulled up or they're two seconds away, or yeah. at least it's a reassuring thing. And, and, that, and also you know, it, there's a little bit of, a, of an you know, awkwardness in, 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 you know, yeah. between parents and whose turn is it my turn. Yeah, yeah that's the other thing, yeah. yeah. Or the other thing is I would have paid 
somebody to take my daughter to swimming every week because it is the most boring thing <laughs> to sit and watch for at least an hour. So, so we, we won't tell your daughter that. No, no. <laughs> yeah. She but doesn't we, listen, does she? No, <laughs> no, thank God. But yeah, I would have paid somebody to do that for me. And that, you would have, you know, the app yeah. would have let me do that, wouldn't it? it? Just real quickly on that one, it, it also, um, it, you know, I, I was speaking with a parent uh, a couple of days ago, and she's like, Cameron, I'm completely addicted to your service now because you're helping me to free up between 20 and 30 hours a week. Um, so at that point, you just made that example you just gave is the exact mm. reason why that's happening, right? Yeah. So if I told you our service can help you to free sure. up 20, 30 hours a week, yeah. not only is it better in terms of your work-life balance, but also, you know, you then have time to do the shopping, you know, cook for dinner, whichever it is, by the time your children are home, uh, it improves the quality of, of that time, um, in, in a way, I would say. Yeah, mm. no, it's great. So, um... I know you've gone through various funding rounds. How hard was that to actually get the necessary funding? Or it's it's uh, it's it's very hard. I mean, yeah. I uh, I'll be honest about that one. And and you know, my my background with you know just Deep, for example, I, I was part of building that team and 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 taking to where it is today. But even with that background, you know, Still, you would think that it's cause really pe- easy because people invest in people, yes. not in apps. Yes. Normally, don't they? That's very honest. true. So. so just, just real quickly, we uh, so so the initial development was my own savings. I think most people start with either yep. your own savings or, or yeah, friends or family. Yeah, a lot of people we speak to yeah. that is quite right. It's the, the individual, uh, close friends and family. Yeah, exactly. And, and 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 for the listeners, I also have to add that you know don't ever think that your idea is not a good idea because most people when they first start with something, two years into the development or or the lifetime of that company, you're probably going to be completely different yeah. because you start with something that you believe should be in a certain way. And I won't go into all the mistakes that we've made just over the last twelve months, but the problem we have now is completely different. So what we first started with. It was my idea of something, a, a, a slim version, went live with it. And when we went live with it, we had at least uh, two, three individuals that said, you know what, I believe in the vision of what you're trying to solve. I don't necessarily believe in you know where you are right now, but I believe in what you're trying to solve because there is a pain point for parents. Um, and they, so we raised uh, a small angel round of funding um, uh, about a year ago. Yeah. That helped us go live with a public beta version. Um, and we trialed and tested that and developed and evolved. And about nine months la- later, in September, October last year, we did a crowdfunding round on CrowdCube. And that was successful. We raised money there. Um, and then that ha- that allowed us to then so get to this point, forward. build a team. Right. And, and yes, we are currently in a fundraising round for the for first bigger round, I would say. Yep. Um, and that will then allow us to speed up the innovation on the tech side, a lot of the products, innovations that we have on the roadmap. I'll tell you, in about five years from now, you look at this and say, oh, my God, why, why, yeah, yeah. why wasn't there a solution like this before? Because sure. we yeah. have some really cool ideas that yeah. will you know, really improve lives uh, for so a lot of parents. The single biggest thing you learned in the last couple of years, what was the, what was the biggest challenge and, how, and, and what did you overcome? Um, there are a million. Put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. There, there are so many of them. But, I mean, if, if, if this is, uh, you know, if my answer should, ought to be a target to entrepreneurs, it should be, uh, you know, make sure you're doing something you're passionate about and you love. Um, also, uh, believe sh- in what you're trying to create. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Surround yourself with good people and, and don't be afraid to reach now. Talk to as many as you can. Use LinkedIn, reach out, sit down, grab a cough, grab a tea, something. Uh, but, but then also, um, uh, you know, it's always good to have other things to do to occupy your mind and not necessarily. The first uh, one of the things that I did 24 7 the first couple months was to solely work on this and it eats you up yep. you know mm-hmm. and try to do other things and, and have sort of a fall back and back in terms of financial yeah. situations so you're not fully depending on this and you can 
yeah, it can't be your only thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably have a, have a top 10, top 20 list. I'd be happy to chat with people <laughs> yeah. offline. But so also definitely. networking, and we talked about table crowd off air, didn't we? Yes, about yes. It's really important to spend time with either people that are facing similar challenges at a similar time in their development you, stuff you get, you or, get so, yeah. or the next step ahead of you. Yeah, you get so many ideas. Just chat with everyone. I yeah. mean, uh, a lot of them are probably not going to add any 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 new information or, or, or benefit to the conversation, but every now and then you come across seeing individuals who just change your day or your month yeah. or the trajectory of There'll the company. There'll be a nugget. There'll yeah. be a, a small thing that they've had to overcome, yeah. and they said, actually, I found this or did this or whatever else. Yeah, and, and they'll introduce like people who yes. then potentially could yeah. become quite relevant for your company. So, yeah. Be out there and talk to as many as you can. Don't be afraid of reaching out to people, you know, with cold calls, cold emails, saying, this is where I am, be honest, and, and would you mind sitting down for coffee or, yeah. or lunch? Yeah, so, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I could talk all afternoon, yeah. and thank you so much for that. Yeah. Dan, we'll do the normal, where can we get more <laughs> yeah, information? Yeah, we'll, we'll get, tell us, you know, where can people um, find out more? Uh, they can go to onelaneapp.com, or one lane is spelled out, so it's O-N-E-L-A-N-E, app app.com um and if anybody wants to reach out to me directly just you know write to us on, on the contact form that we, that we have and i'll be happy to speak with them directly great thank you that very much it's now a bit of bit of this thing oh right so um <laughs> there we are, Dan. Dan has uh, been given the box, okay. but first of all, this is unboxing, so we don't know. Dan and I do not know what is in this box. We haven't a Scooby. Here. We haven't a Scooby-Doo, and Harry and Danny are in the uh, are in the studio. Harry is on Periscope, so come to us at Twitter at Tech Talk Show UK, and <laughs> you'll see what's going on. And Dan has now pulled out. Yeah, quite nice packaging yeah, actually. Yes, yeah, size of sort of um, I contemporary, a um, few centimeters thick um, box. Um, it says a mobile phone microscope on it. Mobile phone microscope. Yeah. How yeah. exciting! Yeah. So Dan straight into the packaging, ripped <laughs> yes, it to pieces. Yeah. That was, so that's that was, not going back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cameron, what do you think of the packaging? Uh, well, before Dan <laughs> destroyed it. Destroyed yeah. it. Quite nicely. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I, I don't. It would be lovely to have something colourful on it as well, but yeah, it's straightforward. Okay, definitely not going back. It's in a it's sealed um, plastic bag. It's got a bit of an apple feel about the actual... It does, yeah. I don't really know what these three things at the top are. I mean, it's a little... Well, actually, I can't tell what it is at all. Okay, so... so three, three images, small images of something. Ah, oh, maybe they're the microscope images, because yeah, it's yeah. actually a... Oh, there you have it. The are thing. they? <laughs> yeah. right. Okay, so we have a few, um, three parts. We have um, a spring clip that looks like it's just to clamp it to your um, to your phone. Um, looks like an eyepiece. Um, you know, that's yes. the size of an eyepiece on a... Uh, yeah, large battery. Yeah, oh, yeah large sort battery. of cylindrical. And then a, um, cylindrical a secondary thing. sort of eyepiece that looks like it's got a... Um, looks like the lens to spins, I suppose, to focus it, maybe. Okay, yeah. so we can, um, it was all hermetically sealed, Dan, it as was, well, yes, wasn't it? was, yes, it's all sealed in... Oh, oh. oh no, hang on, we found a, a piece at the bottom of the bag. Bit. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what that comes off. Mm. What is it? Show me. I don't know, it's just a little, a little plastic. Oh, uh, that looks tag. like a key to undo oh, something. Think, yeah. 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 So maybe there's a battery Oh, there is. I know yep. that there isn't a name of a brand or a brand on the package. No, nothing at all. Nothing whatsoever, so... And is it is it particularly it, for any it, particular phone? Does it mention on there? It or? Doesn't I think it's anywhere. for most. Oh, it's got it on the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For most iPhones and Samsungs and so on and so forth. 
Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. No branding whatsoever. So it seems no. uh, like a generic uh, uh, school project, uh, yeah. industrial design school project. My first packaging. Pa- yeah, packaging. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I forgot one thing. The I've... only branding that, that's on there is made in China. Well, if, if that would be, be a brand. <laughs> maybe that's, that's their brand name. No name whatsoever of, of a company or anything else on it. Is there any instructions how to put it together? Dan, do you need your glasses? You're all right. I need my glasses. Don't wear them, Steve. Oh, don't you? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, um, right, okay. Uh, so, chuck the box over. I'll have a look. Well, okay. What's that, actually that might box? be my only, my only chance of understanding how to work it. Um, oh, okay, so it's two pieces oh. to it. Yeah. One bit sits below the other. That looks like it clips on there. So it's a micro mobile phone microscope. Oh, I see. Does that work like What's that? actually going? Oh, it goes into the camera lens yeah. of the actual... Mm. It goes on the camera lens of the uh, phone. Got a light on this as well. Maybe. That clips up underneath. Look, here you go. I'll pass the box over here. Oh, there you go. Okay. Here it is, coming over. Flying over. Oh, oh. Okay. Does just, it work just on while Android? Dan's, uh, doing this, I'd just like to point out last week's unboxing. Um, Danny seems to take the credit for... For the one that rocked, um, I just like to point out it wasn't Danny's products that he wasn't found. It really? he in took, my absence, he, he stole my glory. I think if you had a cared that much, you would have been here, Harry. Um, but <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you, you couldn't pick bonds on it. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't be bothered to turn up. That was so. it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. anyway, no, I'm, I'm sure this one's going to be great if Dan can it's work sort out of what he's doing. Really broken, Dan, isn't it? Yeah, it's just broken me. Yeah, <laughs> is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can anyone... <laughs> no, Dan can't. So no, can't. it's failed the first test. On being simple to put together, yeah. just intuitive. Just, well, Danny, do you know how it goes together? No, but on the description, it has in bold letters, bold words, yeah, easy to install and detachable. Idiot proof. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. it's idiot proof, but not Dan proof. Yeah. Look at, looking know. at the picture, there seems to be a bit missing. That's as they I'm... say, Dan, there is a village missing an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Invariably. <laughs> Invariably. Dan's defence, though, it's it's it was living under pressure here, right? He is. No, and he deserves it. He really deserves it. No, no, I can't. I Do can't. you need an iPhone Seven to clip it to? Would it's that not, help? It's not the clip. I don't, can't see how Looks the lens like is going, going a bit together. red as well. Pass it over, Dan. Do you know what? Do you want to go to a? Do you want to go to the pre-record, oh, and sure. we'll come back to this? Yeah. Should we have a, have yeah. a quick listen? Shall we? So uh, we've got a um, tech savvy segment. Yes. With. Chris Charles. Yeah, from Lights that Light. James and I spoke, uh, spoke to. to at the and then what we'll do is uh, coming up, we'll come back to unboxing and mm-hmm. everything else. Yeah. But yeah, but but at the moment we'll um, we'll take a short break and go to this. Yeah. I'm here with presenter Dan. On the so we're at the Wearable Technology Show. Um, James, my co-presenter, and I are joined by um, Joss Langford from Active Insights. Hi, Joss. Good morning. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, Active Insights and what you do? So Active Insights is a UK-based wearables business. We've been around since 2008, so kind of old boy on the block, really, compared to many of the businesses here. Uh, And there are some great businesses here. Um, We produce wearables for professionals. Um, So rather than the consumer devices that you're used to seeing in the marketplace, our customers are people like researchers and doctors and clinicians, and we're providing them with data that then they can use with their patients. 
That's really fascinating. So where um, a few of us might have our smartwatch and, and things like that and, and feel very um, uh, happy with ourselves when we're reading our emails and things like that on it. These are you know people that are using um, smart wearable devices to for you know to, to make their work a lot a lot faster, a lot quicker, and, and pick up data in, in, in d- new ways. Yeah, so I mean, one of the focuses for, for Active Insights is around lifestyle data particularly. So we've got, we've got a strong focus for how we use our technology, and that's to give healthcare professionals data that they've never had before. So again, you'll see wearables which are measuring things like heart rate. Well, actually, we've been known how to measure heart rate for thousands of years, obviously, but a GP has never had the ability to really understand what their patients are doing during the week. You know, you get those questionnaires, you know, the, the, the classic one of how many units of alcohol you drink. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not mentioning that. Yeah, okay, move on. But exactly. So we know that uh, historically that questionnaires have been the only way that the healthcare industry has been able to get ideas about what we do in our real lives. And, and essentially our wearables help uh, doctors and their patients to understand what we do all day. Uh, and we've never had that information in the past. So aside from um, sort of heart rate monitors, what other um, analytics are uh, doctors really after with, with your products? Well, if you, if you look at what doctors are after, in, in general they're often looking for uh, field uh, measures. So, so how do I take measures that I normally do in the hospital and do them out in the field? Because I want to reduce costs, I want to be able to treat patients at home. What we're doing with lifestyle data is to help people manage conditions like obesity and diabetes. Um, amongst those two then you've also got um, heart disease and lung disease and those four between them are the four big killers of our age Um, lifestyle is the predominant factor across those it works better than any pill that we know about and uh, lifestyle and particularly physical activity is the one that goes across all of those so by understanding people's lifestyle being able to measure it we can then think about how we can go about changing it and, and measure if we've been successful in changing it there must be a real opportunity to get, uh, or, or it must provide much better um, data and information than just the usual consultation with your GP. You go and you get your blood pressure and you have that every week, every month. That only gives a very small snapshot of you in that particular GP consultation. Here you're getting all of that, you know, that data recorded you know, through a week of your life, a month of your life. And being able to give that data to your GP must be, you know, give a much better idea of, of your health condition. Yeah, I, mean, I think you know, the sort of things that are difficult, for example, for a GP, if, if they've got a patient that comes in with, say, chronic fatigue, what do they do next? It, it may be appropriate to, to run blood. That's very expensive. It may not be. But by giving a patient a wearable to wear for a week and they can come back with a lifestyle report and then immediately both the patient and the GP can look and they can identify, you know, you know, if that patient, for example, is sleeping well and they're doing a reasonable amount of activity, like, well, look, there's clearly something wrong here. And it it warrants spending some extra money to move forward. But very often you'll find that people aren't sleeping particularly well and there are some simple things around sleep hygiene that a professional can help with that can make a huge difference at a much lower cost, much more convenient, and the patient is still feeling that someone's really listening to them and caring about their outcomes. So is all the data that is the lifestyle data that's logged over a week or a month period while they're wearing it, is that then returned to the doctor and, and they download the data or is it something that can be sent back sort of real time to them? So we don't focus on, on real time specifically. We're more, we're more interested about longer term trends. And, and actually, I think that's a, in the industry generally, you see a lot of people talking about real time. It's a very techy thing to talk about. It's very cool. Actually, what's really interesting is prediction. Um, and we are always asked about, you know, for instance, can you predict falls? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have falls detection? It's a big thing in the industry. It has been for, for five years or so. And actually, that's too late. Predicting falls is much, much more useful 
for both the healthcare system and the individual because they don't want to be falling over. And I think that's you know it goes across all of our all of our data. Our data then is stored uh, on in secure cloud-based servers and is available to the healthcare professional at any time and to pass on to the to the patient. But I can say much more on that long-term basis. And so being able to um, you know f for the pa for in terms of the patient being able to know that that. Um, that data is kept securely must be a real, um, you know, must be something of great confidence for them. Yeah, and I think we talk more about privacy because actually if you can get your privacy by design right, you, it makes your security job much easier. And this is quite difficult. There's new legislation coming up next year, uh, European legislation, which will be implemented in the UK the general data protection regulations and so all our data infrastructure designed with that in mind and it means that we can give re really solid promises to the individual about how their data will be managed so for example within a clinic we, we can guarantee because of the data architecture that we have that their personal their directly identifying personal data never leaves the clinic um, so we call it's called pseudonymization so we provide a key that goes against their personal details all the data that comes, leaves the clinic will only be, have that key attached to it, so you would not be able to know it's that individual. And the clinic retains the unique kind of right and ability to connect the data with the individual. And so they do that in front of the, the patient when they're there. And, and so that's an example about privacy by design, but you can immediately see that gives you great security as well. Um, and so we work with non-profit organisations um, about how we help organisations use data in a responsible way. So you, you've been in the, um, uh, you said you started in 2008, and so you've, you've seen, I guess you've seen sort of um, been around from when there wasn't any wearables to actually now things are in a, um, you know, you've got wearables, but actually has a size that people wouldn't mind wearing. I presume, you know, you, there's a better take up now that, you know, things are a bit more discreet that they could be wearing. So, I mean, our journey through the wearable space has been really interesting because the first five years of, of my time in this space, I was trying to persuade researchers and governments that the wrist was the right place to put the device. I mean, it seems mad now, but for, for those first five years, that was the main persuading factor because we'd been used to hip-worn step counters and, and, and pages. That's where, if you think the first Fitbit device was a clip-on device designed to go on the belt. So that's where the industry was. Um, so... Moving things to the wrist has been the first stage about getting someone to wear something continuously. Uh, we want some of the first devices to be fully waterproof and fully robust. And again, so as long as people don't have to take them off to, when they want to do water sport or just do the washing up, that helps people wear it all the time. The size is an important factor. Uh, but the technology probably got to the right space for size in about 2008. It's, it's been thinking about those other areas and the messaging about making it sort of acceptable to wear something all the time that's made the biggest difference. So can consumers go to your, your website and, and purchase your products or is it something they would be issued by a healthcare professional generally? So the, t the two markets that we work in in research and, that, that, and the practitioner space, that kind of professional GP sort of space, um, and they're, they're different. But in both markets, we're not expecting the end user to, to wear the device. Now in research, the way that research ethics work and the way those studies are conducted, the individual actually signs away a lot of the rights to their data as well. You know, quite often within ethics you're not allowed to show the data of a clinical study to the individual so not only do they own, not own the device they don't really have that much access to the data so that's the research market and then in the practitioner market they have full access and control over all their data but they're not expected to own the device and then you compare that to the consumer where you both buy the device and get all the data so that's you know how we see the market breaking down and we focus on the top two of those Fascinating. Um, so you've been in the sort of like the, the wearable space since it's since it's you know started. Where do you see it going in the future? 
Oh, it's interesting. I was, I was talking yesterday about the, the future of wearables, and I was, I was doing that for radio listeners. Uh, I'm a Radio 4 listener. There's a great program called The Long View, which takes examples from history and says, well, it has it. So that's, that was my talk um, yesterday. And, um, and I was, you can go back on the archaeology record. You can go back 100,000 years. That's the first time that we started wearing wearables, and then you can trace that all the way through the, all the different stages. The thing that's interesting about that when you look at the record is that, that wearable devices have always been beautifully finished. These are ornaments. They're, it's about body adornment, essentially. And I think that's one of the things we see in the show here is that there's a lot of tech, and in some cases that tech's hidden, and a lot in our products we're talking about the end benefit. But in the consumer space, we're making technology look cool. We're making it look beautiful. We are using it in wearables to show people, to allow them to show their identity, express themselves, and to show that they are mastery of the technology around them. So I think that's certainly one thing that we're going to see. We're going to see more and more tech being very, very visible in devices. And I think on the other side, on the more medical side, we're going to see it more and more hidden, more and more usable. And, and, and actually, we should be seeing medical devices becoming better looking as well. That's fantastic. Thank you very much, Joss. Where can um, people find out more about Active Insights? So uh, Active Insights is a UK-based business. We're, we're based in Cambridge area, so we've got a website called uh, www.activeinsights.com and uh, just go there and you can get all our contact details and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. So, uh, Dan, obviously, we, <laughs> we the switched <laughs> them around there, we didn't did. we? We did. The attentive of, uh, amongst our audience will yes. have noticed that was the um, wrong in- one, wasn't Including it? ex-producer James, yeah. who actually tweeted in to say, it's not... Uh, light, you'd think Chris he'd be ex- You'd think he'd be excited about hearing um, himself. Hearing, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was. Yeah, but anyway, that was Josh Langford from um, Active Insights, and uh, you spoke to him a little while ago. Now we have, um, we've still got Harry and Danny and Cameron in the uh, Cameron in the studio, and we have had our combined brains trying to assemble, and not a considerable amount of brains. Well, except for Harry, obviously. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially um, fair, Harry. Yes. Yeah. And we have not been able to no. achieve anything, really. So, so we think it's to, um, put together correctly. Um, I say think because it's not It's not entirely obvious. No. But um, the results are not sort of... Um, we're not going to be recording any BBC um, uh, sort of natural history programmes. No, we? no, definitely not with that. No. And... Um, Cameron, you think just I, I I gave up from from the yeah, <laughs> within the first minute. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think we found out why they didn't put a brand name on it because they don't <laughs> want anybody. <laughs> yeah. And there's no return address either. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I suppose we really should go to um, the product details, Danny, shouldn't we? So, what should. do you think? So, the product description says, "Great product for the watchmaking industry, especially for inspecting the tiny objects." Perfect for biological, jewellery, coins, stamps, antiques, and precision parts. Mm. It has an LED light that can adjust to 30 degrees. It's a bright LED light, and it's easy to set up and to install. Really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It says so on my piece of paper. The the LED light is quite bright. It is, I have to say. The LED light, if you want an LED light. That's bright. Yeah, Um, that is bright. Yeah, that's about as much as I am <laughs> willing to yeah. agree with. Uh, now, we may not have put it together correctly, so we shouldn't be too harsh. But the lack of any instructions means that, um, yeah, it works without that, the light thing on the front of it, doesn't it? Yeah. It's sort yeah. of a magnifying type. Yeah, it's sort of, 
uncontrollable magnifying. Um, yeah. More like a telescope sort of thing. But I mean, I love the fact yeah. it's really natty, isn't it? I mean, it, it looks well. Would you walk around with that on your phone? I, no, probably no. not. No, uh, you, no. You probably have the police all over you. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, some yeah. Yeah. arrested yeah. as a snooper or something. Yeah. 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 So um, we need to go to how much do you think it would cost? So, so I, I think, disappointingly, I think this is probably about twenty pounds. They always seem to be about yeah. twenty pounds. Yeah, I'll say nineteen ninety nine. There we okay. go. Anyone else? Cameron? You know what? I think I think that's probably the right ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, nineteen ninety-nine, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, I, 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 I Harry, dare to say twenty-four. Twenty-four, <laughs> Harry, do you know? No. Go on, uh, give us about twenty pounds. Twenty pounds, Danny. You know. Yeah. I'm going to say nine ninety-five, mm. but I'm probably wrong. It's probably more than that. So, shall we find out exactly how much it cost us? Some really good guesses there, gentlemen. Um, except for you, Steve. You were way out. Um, Dan, very close. Thank you. Cameron, very close. It came in at £20.98. £20.98. Wow. Yeah. Oh. I should have said just £20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, so uh, back in the box or it rocks. I think. Um, I think, yeah, guess first. Would you keep it or would you throw it away? Back in throw the it away. Back so in the box. Back in the box. I have seen, been to um, shows and exhibitions where people have made some really clever um, sort of telescope and magnifying adjust um, uh, add-ons for their for their phones. Mm-hmm. Some really clever things, but that's rubbish. That's not one of them. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely not one of them. Yeah. Harry. Yeah, it's uh, poor on my part. I'm going to say back in the box. Yeah. Mm. Um, I just need to explain. Obviously. Last week I took the credit for a really good unboxing and it wasn't mine, so I need to really say this was all Harry's idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, it goes back in the box. <laughs> and definitely back in the box for me. So, yes, <laughs> thanks for that. Whoever did actually uh, uh, source that particular load of rubbish, it uh, certainly... Lovely packaging, though, <laughs> and a very, well, a very good light. Uh, yeah, good, yeah, good LED. Yeah. yeah, so throw everything else away, keep the packaging and the light. That's the moral of that story. Anyway, so we are now going to go to our what we uh, originally were going to go to, Dan. So tell us a little bit about it. Very much like to listen to Chris Chance this time. Yes. Uh, we have a better chance of listening at to him. Light. Yeah, at yeah. Light. Yeah, Light. Okay. Again, this is um, James and I interviewing him at Wearable Tech Show. And it's uh, a bit of informa- information about um, miniature HD cameras and the like. Okay, let's go to the pre-record. I'm here with presenter Dan on the final afternoon of the Wearable Technology Show, and we're now joined by Chris Chance from Light. Good to meet you, Chris. Yeah, good to meet you guys too. Thanks for uh, inviting us along. So, um, yeah, Chris, you're, you're here to talk to us about, about your company and, and the wearable sort of cameras you've been developing. Um, it's predominantly in a, in a sporting context, that's right, isn't it? Uh, currently, most of the products, uh, it's the natural environment, I guess. People associate um, sport uh, and uh, action cameras together. Um, we're actually, as a business, we're about miniaturised uh, cameras. So we could actually pop them in anything. Uh, it's a natural market, as we said, sport. Um, it, most sports people wear glasses or sports glasses um, and most of those people want to capture these exciting moments so the two sort of fit quite comfortably and easily together. So uh, that's really interesting. So so miniaturised cameras, particularly for sports, but miniaturised cameras themselves, it's quite a specialist field to get into. How did you, you know, what led you into that area? 
I would say, uh, and I'm going to be really honest, probably more by luck than judgment. <laughs> so we, um, we were actually distributing the product for, for some time. We're an experienced uh, consumer electronics distributor. That's pretty much where the company was born five, six years ago. Uh, my background is consumer electronics, uh, and also with, with cameras. I've worked for Philips and a number of other CE brands. Um, we weren't particularly happy as the distributor in which way the, the brand was going at the time, and luck would have it that ownership passed hands to us, and we've taken the product on and done what we believe is a fairly good execution. And, and, and what are the main um, arenas that, that your product can be, can be seen in? Uh, you'll see us actually mainstream retail. So we are available with mainstream retailers. We're in pretty much all the Maplins branches. We're, in, uh, we're available online with Argos. You can see the product through, of course, Amazon as usual. And we can, uh, yeah, you'll find us in uh, some top tech stores within the sort of Dixon's Carphone uh, retail outlets as well. So how small can you actually make your sort of camera device? So can you fit it into anything, you know, tip of a pen or, or you know, as well as the glasses? It, it, everything's a compromise, isn't it? So the minute you start to go too small, you start to compromise on all sorts of things, quality, speed of processing, all those things. What we've tried to do with ours is to optimise the real estate that you have in a pair of glasses um, and, and, and really wrap that around, around the product. Uh, if we go much smaller, uh, you then start to struggle where do you put batteries, and once you start running out of battery space, you start running out of really usability of the product. Um, so we could really, really miniaturise it, but you probably end up with a product that doesn't record for more than a few seconds, and then it doesn't really become a viable consumer product at that point. Um, but you know, I'm sure there are applications where you need five, six, ten-second bursts of, of, of video that we could do in a very, very small, small footprint. But we're all about really making products usable and accessible, um, and and to do that, I think you need to give the end user uh, really a, a, a sensible battery life. Could you talk to us a bit about the, the jockey cam uh, that you guys work on? Yeah, so the, the, the jockey cam was an interesting project. That was really, again, taking the insides of our, uh, of our camera glasses and finding a, an, an environment to work safely with, um, in, the, in the horse racing environment. So we worked with um, uh, a company who helped us deliver that through the horse racing fraternity. We had to work, of course, with the jockeys. They had to be comfortable with it. Um, as did all the other vested interests, had to be signed off by the doctor too to make sure it's all sort of safe. Um, and yeah, it's a really interesting project, and uh, you know, and it's, it, it's 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 great, great to be able to deliver uh, that sort of, I say, bird's eye view, but let's say jockey's view of uh, of riding a you know a horse race. So, so for jockeys and obviously for horse racing in, in, as a whole, um, weight is quite key. Um, so you must have had some sort of difficulties in making sure that you had a camera system that had all the necessarily technical um, goings and a battery that didn't sort of um, you know weigh too much as well. Yeah, again, it's, everything's a compromise. We're sort of blessed with horse racing in that, it, that it's not a particularly long race. So we, you know, it's not like you need the thing to run for two or three hours. Um, so we, you know, it's fortunate that a, a, a race is small, so we can really shrink down the battery size. And um, could there be any? Where do you see the future of your, your company going? Is it going to be just continued uh, improvements in terms of uh, bringing the size down, but but retaining that usability? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a number of ways that we could could grow at the moment we're um, we're a miniaturized action camera the next phase for us of course is then we've got the content what do we do can we stream it here we're launching our wi-fi product which will stream live 
video to your handset, to your, to your mobile telephone. Uh, that's the first first phase. And then as we, and it's not so much us, but as the chipset manufacturers progress, then it's to take that to the next phase, which is up into social platforms like Facebook Live, for example. So we could be truly streaming live all the way from the glass right the way through to a social platform. That's really interesting for us, and that's where we're sort of going. And then ultimately, I guess at some point, uh, maybe even over the mobile network, so over 4G, 5G, um, truly live streaming through operator portals as well. That's also a possibility. That's fascinating. Um, but where, where can people find out more about your company? Right, the best place to look for, for our consumer brand is would be on the website, which is um, sunnycam.com. Uh, you can also uh, find us on light.uk. That's the really the, 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 the clever bit behind what our consumer brand is. And that's um, light as in L-Y-T-E, isn't it? That's the one, yeah, L-Y-T-E dot U-K. Brilliant. Thanks for your time, Chris. No, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there we go, Dan. We're back. And following that pre-record, yeah. and uh, we've got Harry in the studio. We right, do. Harry. Hello, Steve Aiden. Yeah, I'm really good, and we've got producer Danny. But Dan, you have a little story for us about Tesla. Yes, just um, so Tesla seems to be going um, quite well at the moment. In fact, things for Elon Musk seem to be going quite well with um, SpaceX as well. But yeah. um, so Tesla have shipped a record twenty-five thousand cars in the first quarter of this year, up by sixty-nine percent from the year before. Yeah, and they've overtaken Ford, but they've only overtaken Ford on market capitalisation. Oh, okay. So uh, Ford have produced 617 cars. Thousand cars. Oh, 617,000 right. <laughs> in the year. Sorry. Not sure that's a profitable model. No. And GM <laughs> have produced 690,000 cars and trucks in the first three months or so. Mm. So they are substantially, substantially producing more cars. It's just the market capitalisation, and I can't understand why Tesla's is so high, other than on the fact that it's a speculative punt, really. mm. and that's yeah. why it's made a difference. So it's funny, you need to look below the stories. You do, yeah. And yeah. they went up, though, 6%, their stock surged 6% on Monday to an all-time high, which shows. But they've only yeah. made 25,000 cars. Um, 25,418 to be oh, exact. Oh, sorry, yeah. sorry. I will do my research and be a bit better. <laughs> Harry, you've got a couple of stories. What's happened in social media? Yes, so a top trend at the moment today, other than Tech Talk, of course, is we've got World Physical Activity Day. Wow. Now, I know obviously that... Ding dong. That could be sort of, I don't know, um, not tech. But I just think we've had a lot of wearable tech on the show in the past. And yeah. um, a lot of it's obviously geared up towards um, sort of physical activity. Sure. A couple sure. of people that we've had on in the past, Active Insights, who we've had on today, have been tweeting yeah. about it. Yeah. And also Step Jockey, do you remember those guys? Yeah, we've got yeah. Step Jockey well, here, we actually. The, yeah. Uh, yeah, on the stairs. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts, really. Um, what's your favourite sort of wearable tech that we've had on the show which could be geared towards fitness? I'd go Step Jockey. Would you? Step. Also, uh, what was that watch you had, Dan? Oh, the, the Sunto. Yeah, Sunto, the, the, that yeah. was yeah, uh, a really good piece of kit. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, well, it's um, a multi-sport watch, um, as well as having smartphone functionality. It also has GP, um, GPS and, and heart yeah. rate monitor and stuff like that. So Does it link to iPhone 7? It will link to an iPhone 7, but I um, don't know why you'd want to. No, why would you? <laughs> Is it Android and iPhone? Uh, it, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it really? Yeah. So uh, what's the functionality on the watch? What else does it do? Um, so GPS, so it can track you um, yep. and track your movements. It'll track, um, it's got a barometric air um, altometer, so it'll check um, how high. high. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, 
yeah, it's really good. Is this one that you have? Yeah, yeah, it's touchscreen, and it goes across a a number of different sports from, you know, um, cycling, mountain biking, um, uh, running, trail running, and then it can do um, segments as well. If you've got tricks, if you're doing triathlon, it can um, track you through all three. Why would you? It's just a shame that it's so big that it sort of weighs you down a little bit. Yeah, it adds about 50 pounds. I'm getting a dirty look from Uh, him now. He loves that watch. (laughs) Um, the other thing I think is really good is Strava. I don't know if you're aware yeah. of Strava, guys. Yep. No? Yeah, no, Strava, yeah. Yeah, use that for cycling and uh, walking. Really good way to map your uh, progress, physical effort, distance, time. Yeah. And it's actually quite a motivator as well. It's really, really good to make you do segments quick, quicker and mm. you can compare your times against uh, other people. Yeah, I love the way you can, you know, can, can um, compare your um, speed or your, your um, activity against other people that have done the same route. So. Yeah, which yeah. is really, really good. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so that's a really good one. Uh, come on then, Harry, what else is going on? So moving away from physical activity to the opposite Whew. of it. Thank God, because I was a, a bit worn out. <laughs> on Digital Spy, they've uh, commented on it. It's called the Cage Cage. So a minute ago, you might have noticed while that pre-record was and I asked you if you knew who Nicolas Cage was, obviously, the famous yeah. Hollywood actor. So this is, The Cage Cage is a VR nightmare forcing you to watch endless Nicolas Cage films in an actual cage. So you put the VR headset on, you get the, the, get the feeling you're in a cage, but through the cage, you've got Nicolas Cage films just playing constantly. Um, obviously, he's a... Uh, should you say controversial actors? Well, no one really likes him, really, do they? No, he's, uh, he's not my favourite actor. <laughs> he's notoriously bad. So, um, yeah, that that's been that's been going on. So, yeah. if you want to get involved with that, that's on I our Twitter at the think moment. Of any other <laughs> worse punishment ever? Could you, Tom Cruise? Well, maybe maybe set made to cage Teletubbies Ooh. and made to sit there and watch the Teletubbies. For What's hours. wrong with the Teletubbies? Well, <laughs> yeah, you were probably brought up on it, Harry. Probably still watches them. <laughs> or, it could be, or it could be um, Tom Cruise films. Oh, I don't. He's he's okay, isn't he? Is he? Well, okay. He's you know he's sticking up for the little people here. He's a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a, a Scientologist as well. Harry. He's the quickest runner in the world as well, Tom Cruise, isn't he? Have you uh, seen him run? Go on YouTube, watch him run. Yeah, very quick. Honestly, you don't believe me, do you? <laughs> I don't know. So, anything else? <laughs> what well, I'm going to move on now. Anything else, Dan? No. No. You, I've, you, I've got one more because I know Dan loves his new gadgets and I noticed uh, he's got the, the curved screen Samsung. Yes. Whatever that is. Um, by 2019, Samsung aimed to have bendable phones. So, keen? Yeah. Yeah, make it a bit more comfortable in the back pocket. Unlike the uh, the iPhone ones that was the, <laughs> in the news a few years ago about yeah. them snapping in half. Yeah. Was in that the iPhone 7? <laughs> Might have been. <laughs> I've just found one on on uh, Twitter. It is Tartan Day. Nice. Did you know that? Yeah. So, um, well, have you ever worn a bit of tartan, Dan? Uh, from time to time. So have yeah. you really? Yeah. My, my Rupert the Bear um, pajamas. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else then. <laughs> but did you know? And this Danny, have you ever worn tartan? I've got a tartan suit. Yeah. Have you really? Yeah. <laughs> like a bit of tartan. Oh, is it trousers and a jacket, or is it a kilt? Oh, three piece, three piece. Yeah. So I've got Rupert the Bears come to mind. I can't stop that coming in my mind. I'm with yeah. you on this one, Danny. Tartan's, yeah, you know, good suit colour. Yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, uh, the Gaelic for kilt, and I can't say it, is fleeing. So you can't. Say it. You didn't <laughs> which, lie then. Which actually means little rap. Oh. So yeah, there we go. 
There's probably too many jokes there. We should probably move on. Anyway, that's the end of the show. It's been great to have you all here. Thank you. Mm. And uh, we're looking forward to next week where we'll have some more guests. Unboxing as always. Mm -hmm. And hopefully it'll be something that actually works this time. Yes. Yeah, Don't on, get guys. your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Danny. Danny, can you choose it? I'll have a good go this week. Right. <laughs> Cheers. And uh, we'll see you or tune in next week. And... Uh, Join us for a great unboxing. See you later. Cheers.